where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hi, Deep Dive Podcast. Dave. It's me, Tori. And Dave. Hello, Internet. And we start every Dave with Dave, so Dave, Dave, Dave. Mm, my good thing this week. Oh, man, I forgot we were doing this this week. Uh... Hey, do you want me to go first while yeah, Dave thinks of a good first. thing? Yeah, All Dave, right. give us your Dave, Dave. This is Craig being Dave, uh, but actually I'll be me because I want to do my good thing. My good thing, I've been wanting to talk about this for like three weeks now, but I haven't been able to make the beginning of an episode. So guess what? You're getting my good thing now. My good thing is a video game that just came out what? like three weeks ago. A called... video game? It's called Grounded, which is basically Honey, I Shrunk Your Kids, the video game. Honey, <laughs> I Shrunk Your Kids. <laughs> Starring Mick Ruanis. <laughs> what? what is happening right <laughs> Uh, I honey, I shrunk the kids. Uh, <laughs> so your choices funny. are honey, I shrunk the kids, honey, we shrunk ourselves, <laughs> or honey, I blew up the baby. And you went with option four. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let me yeah, talk it, about this it, game now. It's like it's like you know how it's your kids when they're in trouble, but they're my kids if they're not in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So uh, in like this in this game, it's you play a teenager. Uh, a la the movie um but in this case of course it's it's a different story it's not the same story it's not and as far as you know it's not an accident that made you small you actually don't know why you'd be made tiny but you are super tiny we're talking about like maybe an eighth the size of a blade of grass uh, of a cut lawn no less so we're talking about really short um we're talking about smaller than a ladybug small uh, and it's it's really cool. You get this giant world to explore. Um, it does a really good thing for people who have a fear of spiders. Um, they make it so you can tweak the settings of what a spider looks like. So if you're actually afraid of spiders, you could just make it look like this amorphous blob. Um, and, you know, the, it, it will still kill you, but it will just look like a, a little ghosty thing. So, you know, that's I'm cool. I'm afraid of spiders and blobs. Uh then and you... this is not the game for you. Yeah, I'm like you can't play this game then. But anyway, it's really, really cool. Um, it, it still falls, and I know this can be tired for some people. Falls into the the crafting survival type genre. Uh, in this case, you will be building a base up so that way you can put your stuff down. Have the crafting machines that will help you make things. But it does a, a really good survival. You say so? It's Subnautica, but you're in the backyard. Subnautica, but you're shrunk. Yes, exactly. Um, ooh, 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 question. Do you get to find an old nasty half of an Oreo and then eat the stuff yes. for, for days? Yes! There are Oreo cookies that you break with a hammer into little bits that you can chew on if you wish, or you actually make it into another meal that's even even better. But, uh, yeah, how, there, there's... How good, how good did that look in the movie? And then... As you got older, you realized yes. how extraordinarily disgusting that would be. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, they, they did a really good job at the progression and everything. Uh, the area you start out in is relatively safe, a la Subnautica. But as you go outside the bounds, you start encountering tougher and tougher creatures. First, you start encountering spiders. 
uh, which are more difficult. Um, and then you start seeing other areas with tougher creatures and having to deal with them and that sort of thing. Um, they did a really good job at making tiers for the different armors and weapons that you make. So, uh, and tools that you use to harvest materials. So I really like the progression mechanic. It's, it's designed properly that makes it interesting to me. It, it makes it so it's like, I look forward to play because then there's more stuff to do and there's certain things I can look at and unlock. It's not just sort of like, I can make all of these things and I don't know what to do. Instead, it's, there's a very clear, I want to go to this location and get these things. And they did a great job. Like the overall like look and design of the game, so good. Like they nailed the aesthetics. So you like look around and you really do feel tiny. The game feels incredible. You can get also higher up, like you can get a good view of what the yard looks like. And then it just sort of you can see how like the yard sort of seems to shrink as you get higher up. You're like, oh, this isn't that big. But then when you're tiny on the ground, you're like, man, this place is um, anyway, really cool. There's a lot they, they actually made. It's funny because, you know, you're shrunk. You're in a backyard, but they did a good job at making what are the equivalent of biomes like you would in Subnautica, where there's different locations you get to. So, like, there's a desert. The desert is a sand, a kid's sandbox. It's so just it's that's the desert farm. It's a, it's a, well, yeah, um, there's a hedge uh, just that, that that grows blueberries. And that's your, you know, climbing, traversing the high up branches sort of i don't know what to call that but that that's like a biome there's a marsh there's a swampy biome which is because the sprinkler is broken so it just spreads water everywhere and it looks like a swamp it's really cool guys is anyway there a dog poop biome i have not seen dog poop i don't think the people who live here have a dog so that uh, is different you need from a radiation movie. suit uh there is a trash pile so you do need to make a gas mask out of some weevil uh, a weevil nose and some other materials there is a trash pile it stinks it's very smelly uh you have to go in there for reasons so that's cool um and then there's also this like um this weed killer that just constantly sprays for story related reasons and that's also hazardous to your health and you need a gas mask to go in there uh, those are different locations anyway highly highly recommended honestly and it, it's fun with friends i've been playing with my uh playing the game with my wife and it can fit up to four players, as far as I know. Unfortunately, it uses the Xbox um, servers or whatever, and they're a little weird. That's that's my only disappointment in the game, is the fact that it's using the Xbox servers. But otherwise, it's really good. Highly recommend it. Go get it. It's called Grounded. Grounded. All right, Dave. Dave, you're Dave, Dave. All right. My good thing this week is uh, baking soda. And you guys know that baking soda is an antacid? I didn't know that for the first 30-some years of my life, however old I am. Uh, and then, in fact, it even has instructions on the side of the box. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it acts fast, and it's pretty awesome for someone who has, uh, like, acid reflux. Uh, I will say, uh, caveat, that this is not medical advice, and you should always consult a doctor and always read the instructions and warnings on the box before Are you... Are you trying to tell us that you had some heartburn, ran out of Tums, and took a tablespoon of baking soda? Uh, no, actually, I was at work, and nobody had any kind of antacid medication on them. And a coworker said, oh, and I work in a restaurant, so of course there's baking soda. So a coworker said, oh, you could try baking soda. And I was like, is this some, <laughs> kind, of, is this some kind of old-timey witch's brew? 
And that uh, was like, yes. oh, this... yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, like the Arm and Hammer baking soda actually has instructions for use as an antacid. Do you like take a little spoonful, mix it in some water, and drink that? Uh, not even a spoonful. It's a quarter teaspoon and four ounces of water. Yeah, I, I do want to. There are there are specific instructions on making sure you don't take too much of it. Make sure you don't take it too often. Don't take it for after so many days. Like be be careful. Like again, this is I'm not. This isn't medical advice. I just thought that it was cool and it helped me out this week. And yeah, consult your doctor before you listen to some idiot on the internet. I, I right. will. I, I've watched enough chubby emu to learn. Pay attention to any instructions that are on the label. Don't ingest more than it suggests because, hey, this works. I wonder if I take more. It will work even better because that's not how that's not how anything works. Uh, so pay attention to labels. Thank you. It's Chubby Emu. Chubby Emu could be a future good thing. He does a lot of he's a doctor. He does a lot of medical related. Um, he, he does case studies. So it's like. It, I started watching it when the whole stupid Tide Pod thing came about. So it's sort of like uh, this teenager ingested one full Tide Pod. This is what happened to his brain. And it like it tells you what the biological and chemical process that happens to a person. Like, what are the symptoms they're describing? How did the doctors figure it out? Because sometimes the person can't talk about why they are feeling a certain way. Um, so he does a lot of things like like what happens if you like eat old food, if you ingest a, a giant bottle of the uh, the the vitamin gummies, like what happens if you do too much of that. And these are typically real case studies. People this has happened to actual people. And he's, you know, giving that information so that way you can not do that. Essentially, listen to and read the labels. And if you have a doctor Talk to your doctor for any serious things. Don't try to make up medical advice and look at WebMD and try to figure it out on yourself. Like, just don't do that. Okay, but I want to go back to Dave's good thing really quick because, guys, baking soda is amazing. And I'm speaking as someone who grew up really poor because, you know what? Baking soda is cheap and you can do so much stuff with baking soda. Like, for example... If you're out of toothpaste, you just dip a wet toothbrush in baking soda, and then you brush your teeth with that, and it'll work. You can also use it to scrub out your sink afterwards because it's got kind of an abrasive quality. And if you want to get a really good scrub on your face, just take a wet washcloth, add some baking soda, like kind of smoosh it down until it's all sort of powdery, and then wash your face with that. It's the smoothest skin you've ever felt, you guys. And... You know, in addition to all the other things that it's good for, like deodorizing cupboards and fridges and and being an antacid. So oh, let's not forget, freaking... you can actually use it for baking, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This sounds like old timey medicine. It totally does. Like you just put a little baking soda on your face. And it's like I could have I could have heard my grandmother say that, you know, it's like what? Yeah. But and like like if your sink is clogged and you can't afford Drano. You just put a little bit of baking soda down there, pour some vinegar on top of it, clean your drain right up. That reminds me of the um, my big fat Greek wedding where the father liked to use Windex on everything because he thought it it solved everything. So like a lot of the old timey wisdom is very versatile. You can clean your entire house with baking soda, vinegar and like half a lemon. You guys, I have used vinegar. That does work. I can vouch for that to clean stuff with. 
I'm just saying, the old ways are good ways. And in defense of Windex Uncle, um, ammonia kills, like, almost everything. So it's, it is actually pretty solid as a cleaning product. It's true. There's a reason it's like, don't mix it with your more biologically related materials, because it, it will wreck stuff up. Yeah. So, all right. Dave's good thing was that he is a lawyer giving medical advice that you should listen to. Uh, my good thing this week is the Death Album, the first one from the fictional band Death Clock from the real show Metalocalypse. Um, oh, I'm rewatching. Man. I'm rewatching the series, and season one is not good. You guys, it's a pretty bad show, at least at the beginning. But the music is phenomenal. So don't watch the show. Do listen to the album. Metalocalypse is one of those things uh, that I enjoy and am ashamed of the fact that I enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen season one, but uh, yeah, I have I have watched that show and laughed more than I ought to have. I mean, I'm almost done with season one, and I've gotten a couple of chuckles in what is intended to be a comedy show. Um, but for the most part, it's not great. The early animation is very rough. But the music is phenomenal. Really, really, really good songs. And so you can you can skip the bad show and just listen to the good music. I like the episode where they started where Pickles started sponsoring Nichols. Yes, that <laughs> one was like, that one was a good one. It's like, come on. He's like, Nichols is money too, guys. Come on. <laughs> come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was in season one. That was one of the better ones. Uh, but yeah. Um I have vague memories of later seasons being like better animation quality and I'm looking mm. forward to getting there. But it's just also hilarious that Viscard like literally does the entire thing. Like other than I guess the vocals, Nathan Explosion still legit does the vocals, but like Viscard like re <laughs> records everybody's guitar and drum parts. It's just like he's basically uh Trent Reznor. <laughs> oh yeah, and they entirely cut all of the bass lines from the from every everything they've released. So like Murderface does nothing. He's like the least likable character too. <laughs> um but yeah, I think it's Tori's turn to Dave 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 now. Well guys, you are in luck because this week we are having a two for one special on Tori Good Things. One of my very favorite books from my childhood was made into a movie. So this week, I'm going to tell you about both of those. Uh, the book is by Karen Cushman. It's called Catherine Called Birdie. And it's the diary of a young lady in medieval times. Uh, her father has decided it's time to marry her off. She is not having it. And so she gets up to all these shenanigans to drive her suitors away. Like she rigs buckets above the door so they fall on people's heads she blacks her teeth and pretends she's an idiot she like does all of these things to drive the suitors away and uh it's a delightful book uh that i have enjoyed many times over the years uh when i it came out when i was in middle school and my english teacher at the time handed me the book and said you have to read this because the main character is just like you <laughs> and um so i i have felt a kinship with it ever since. Uh, it was the first time that I ever had to think about other people see me differently than I see myself because Birdie in the book is very confident and knows what she wants and she's uh, 
outspoken and and just a delightful character whereas myself particularly in, in middle school I was like I have no idea what I'm doing I'm just in my head all the time and confused and life is hard but um so that that book to me was kind of a oh you know what maybe I'm not doing as bad a job as I thought I was and now they've made it into a movie. It's on Prime, and uh, it stars the adorable Bella Ramsey, who some of you may remember as little Leanna Stark on Game of Thrones, which was the only redeeming factor of those last two seasons. Um, and her father is played by Andrew Scott, um, who you might remember as Moriarty from The Good Sherlock. Um, and they just they did a great job with the movie. It uh, hit all my buttons and it was delightful. Uh, Amazon is making great use of all of their leftover sets and costuming from Lord of the Rings and Wheel of Time. So makes a great medieval movie. And uh, it's it's fun, delightful for the whole family. Y'all should watch it if you get a chance. And uh, if you feel so inclined, maybe go read that book. Neat. And the title one more time? Catherine Called Birdie. Excellent. Uh, let's talk about another book. Any other book. Craig, you've been reading Cradle. Tell me about that. It's really good. That that was my good thing. Mike, you've it's been your good thing. Uh, I think I, it was I my good, good thing like three weeks in a row because I wasn't doing anything else besides reading Cradle. I can't put it down. It was hard. I didn't even finish this week's chapters. I'm only halfway through. Wait, I'm we're currently doing, trying we, to read it. Hold up. Go back. We're doing chapters this week. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. We're supposed to be reading Rhythm of War. I'm pretty sure Dave has read it. Have you heard of this book, Dave? I'm looking right at it. Well, there no, you go. Doesn't look familiar. Dave, why don't you tell us about this book? How about just uh, rather than talk about the whole book, because we only have about an hour left. Um, let's just talk about chapters seven through ten. We're just off the top of my head. Random numbers. I rolled a D20. Uh, I'll take what we can get. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Determined by rolling dice, guaranteed to be random. All right, chapter seven, the rarest vintage. Zinc and brass, you say? But enough talk, have at you. This wine smells fruity. Who's Thanadale? And who really killed him? Ishna was okayed by the ghost bloods, right? Eli acts out the scene from Pulp Fiction, and I'm sure Craig knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I just read this, so yes, I do. Uh, so Zinc she, and Briss. Hold up. She snorted heroin thinking it was cocaine and had an overdose? That's what it looked like. Uh, so Zinc and Brass, do you remember which one it does which, Dave? Well, I'll, I'll refresh you. See. Well, Zinc is the pulling one because it is an element and Brass is an alloy. So it Correct. pushes iron pulling. But, but do you know what that does to the emotions? Which one does which? I believe pulling is dampening. Yeah, I remember because Breeze was a soother and he burned zinc. And mm, no, that's not right. Uh, Breeze was a soother, but he burned brass. Brass I is the soothing one. Okay, so this wasn't okay. So one of these soothes spren and one of them riot spren. Although it seemed backwards when I read it, but I might have had zinc and brass mixed up. But another uh, one also seemed backwards, and then another one seemed forwards. So I don't know. Uh, let me we'll, go back. I actually we'll did discuss highlight each that. of the alimentic metals in the epigraphs here. But let me pull up chapter seven here. Do, 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 huh? And while I am finding my page, here, my, I'll read it for you. Dave, Discord I, server. I, oh, I was going to say, I have the quote for you. 
But hey, join our Discord, guys. Patreon.com slash CosmereCast. There's a link to our Discord. Come hang out, chat. It's fun. Tell us we're wrong. Um, if you give us money, you can listen to patron-only episodes, which, hey, I realized, uh, rather than realize, I had it pointed out to me, thank you, Little Red Book, that I forgot to edit and post the Terminator episode last month. I don't know exactly how I forgot, but I did. So look forward to that. Uh, I was wondering about that because I'm like, I, wa- I wanted to hear what people would say about it. And then we didn't hear anything. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess there was nothing to say. No, I just I just completely blanked on it. I did a I did a whoopsie. Okay. Um, well, but for future people who listen to this as it comes out, it will long since have been released for Dan, who listens immediately. Uh, I don't know, maybe tonight. OK, let, let me read the epigraph here. Zinc wires touching the gemstone will cause the sprint inside to more strongly manifest, while brass will cause the sprint to withdraw and its power to dim. Okay. So that's so sort of zinc was soothing, so it is consistent with alamancy. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the tin uh, was the weird one, but we'll get there. All right. So the zinc and brass—that's uh, Dave referring to the epigraph where they talk about the different metal cages that you can construct uh, in your. You fabrile. can tell because in my bullet points, zinc and brass is italicized. Yep. Uh, so moving on, uh, we are in a Shalon episode. I should say the three because it switches between Vale, Radiant, and Shalon. Uh, but she the has, three, if you will, she has finally encountered Ily. Uh They they took her to there because like. Uh, at the time, Adolin and Co. were sort of catching up to them, and Shalon in disguise was like, take me with you. So they're like, sure, let's do it. She apparently knows some secrets. So her goal, Let of course... Talk. How about you? Her, her, her goal is getting up to Eli, and here we are. Uh, and so there's a little bit of a back and forth between them, where Eli, she she knows what's really is going on, that she's about to die. Like, the, the Shalon, yeah. whatever disguise she has, she's here to be killed. But... It turns out, uh, oh yeah, uh, it turns yeah. out that she thinks that it's the ghost bloods that have sent the person who Shalon is to come kill her, and not Dalinar and Co. So they they have a bit of a wordplay back and forth. Shalon comes the ma- comes out to manifest herself to do wordplay because that's what she's good at. Uh, they, then they talk about wine. They talk about a lot of different wine, and oh ho ho, the wines are actually talking about uh, Alethkar. If you picked up on that, they're talking about like the vintage and who should be the the real vintage of Alucard, yeah. something weird like that. Um, and you know, it's it's just it's just weird. It's it's just weird. Anyway, uh, she does mention a couple of high princes that were killed. So Thanandol was one of the the high princes that did not come with Dalinar, and Vama was the other one. So they were the ones that stuck in the shattered plains and didn't trust Dalinar and Cow. And don't so confuse don't confuse Vama with Vatha. They're different people. Yeah. With an M, he was a high prince, and who cares, because he's dead now anyway. And Vata is a squire. Well, actually, he is a light weaver. I don't think he's a squire, right? I'm, Correct. I'm not actually sure where he ought to be a, a, light, a full light weaver at this point, but I, I'm not 100% sure. Show us the cryptics. Show us the cryptics. Anyway, um, yeah, so so that's that's what happened. Of course... We were under the impression that Eli was the one who killed them and blamed Dalinar. And Eli's like, no, it was the ghost bloods. So it's like, what's really going on here? Shalon does not have a lot of information. And she doesn't like that this rug is being pulled out from under her. So, Oh, but the rug some... is, is really soft and plush, though. Like, so yeah, much so that she... Off. 
Yeah, yeah. you got to walk out removed, of there. But... You got to make little fists with your feet. Whenever you get to the hotel, take off your socks and your shoes, walk around on a rug, make little fists with your with your feet. You know, it's funny, uh, a side note, I'm really, like, my toes do nothing. They're just there, you know? But meanwhile, other people can, like, use their toes to grasp objects off the ground. Um, so, so you know, my wife can do that. She'd be like, pick up the pen, yoink, there it is. And I'm like, what the heck? If I try to, like, scrunch my toes like I'm doing right now, it hurts, guys. It hurts to use these muscles. Well, you need to do some yoga because that'll get your feet built up. Yeah, toe yoga. <laughs> Also, anyway, let's... yeah, that advice from Die Hard was, was based on nothing. It was entirely to set up Bruce Willis being barefoot so he can walk on glass. Yo, spoilers for a 40-year-old movie. It was in the Nintendo game. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so let's continuing. And then Eli is trying out a, a bunch of the different wines and talking about it. And I don't, I've never seen Pulp Fiction, so I can't actually tell you what you're talking about. Oh, oh I... this is a scene where Uma Thurman, like, frosted at the mouth. Okay, so she's dead. Cool. Uh, and this is where I lie while they're taking her out, because, like, at the time, there was a little division. Uh, Shalon, so Vale was like, we need to just deal with this loose thread, and let's kill her. And the other two parts of Shalon were voting not to, or at least waiting to get more information. Uh, and then... Finding out that it seems like she's being manipulated by Marie's to kill Eli, Vale's like, no, I vote that we don't kill her. So they're going to capture her and take her out, smuggle her out, actually, under an illusion. Uh, Eli out of the wherever they're located. Um, But while they were transporting her out, she foams at the mouth and dies. So despite any precautions that we're taking, Eli is now dead. Yeah. So sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, I was just agreeing with Craig. Okay. I've mentioned this before, and it's not going to come up again, I don't think, but every time you pronounce her name, I lie, I just hear the most dangerous sport, high lie. <laughs> Am I saying it wrong? Is it ELA? ELA? I mean, it doesn't matter now. Yeah. She dead. I mean, I just call her I lie because it seemed appropriate. It's like, that's what she does, and that's what she's called. Well, ELA. So... Yeah, maybe the, this, this helps. Hold on. This isn't Mistborn Era 2. It, her name isn't I Dash We when she has fast running powers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Freaking I Dash We. <laughs> I Dash We. I never read it out loud, so I didn't realize that it was just right in my face. I Dash We. <laughs> uh, all I was going to say is that, um, shoot, Mike, you made me lose my train of thought. Yay. It happened to you. <laughs> oh, hopefully this explains what your your confusion was before, where you were like, what's Elay's like, what's she playing at? Why is she trying to, how is she claiming that she can be queen? And you, hearing her speak, honestly, it's just the other Sons of, of Honor, who she was, I guess she co-opted their organization. They were saying, oh, she should be queen. And she's like, yeah, I'll just hold the Wait, throne and trust what? until she, she co-opted the Sons of Honor? Where are you getting that information? <laughs> Uh, everything? Alright, Dave, tell us what you know about the Sons of Honor. Eli's in charge of them. or They they want Eli to be queen. Okay, but before that, who was in charge of the Sons of Honor? Zadius? Amaram? A- Amaram. Amaram, yep. Yeah. Before and that? You know- mm, oh, uh, Gavilar. There yep. you go. 
That's why I say she co-opted it, because there were other people who were much more influential who were in control of the Sons of Honor. She was the only one left. I wouldn't say she co-opted them. She is the only one left. She was. So anyway. She's probably the highest born member of the Sons of Honor. I wouldn't call that co-opting, but okay. Yeah, okay. I I guess I'll I'll grant that. Um, Where does Sadius fit the bill? um, He's dead. (laughs) He doesn't fit. He doesn't pay any bills anymore. (laughs) He fits the coffin. I I actually don't think he was involved in the Sons of Honor. I think Ela got involved after Amaram was made the Sadius. It, oh, it okay. feels like, yeah, that's the case that Amaram would have recruited her when... I got you. Yeah. But so they thought... So Team Radiant thought that Ili was in charge and, you know... Of, of the remainder, Amaram. yes. I, I think but they it, like, were it was aware. Like the other way around, maybe. Like, Amaram was Eli. Okay. Anyway. Keep in mind that some of their information would have come from the Ghostbloods, and it's starting to... At least this chapter is revealing that they're a bit circum circumnavigated. Circumnavigate. They're a bit circumnavigated. So you know, <laughs> all they're, right. Well, they're that a was little... the first scene in this week's chapters. Thank they're a little bit that. circumference. <laughs> all right. Next scene. Wait, did you like Pattern's math joke where she's like, "Oh, that that's I think in the well, next." Why don't you let me read my bullet points and we'll find oh, out? Okay. okay. <laughs> Gagadin remembers everyone's names. Gagadin waxes his weight. Wasn't Thieves and Compromises a chapter title? Chromium Fabriel. If Kaladin doesn't need to breathe, then why can't Godeki heal? Gotta save Roshan. All right, so Kaladin uh, hops I'm, down well, to... Hold, mm, Gagadin. Say, thank you. Dreamy Gagadin. Okay, Mike approves of that. Um, I'm just going to say Kaladin. I can't, I can't handle this. He's Kaladin. Gagadin. Numuhuku Makiaki Aya Gagadin. <laughs> That's his full title. Uh, what am I saying? Okay, so he 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 went down to the town uh, because the the evil red lightning dude was attacking civilians, and that's not cool. So Kaladin, in his mid Leshui duel, he's like, "Wait, we got to handle this." And Leshui actually cool, nods in approval, wink. gives him like a nod, like "Go ahead." Like she she's angry too. You can tell. Um, we can't hear what melody she's humming, what rhythm she she has attuned to, but clearly Calvin's picking up something. Yeah, unless that, we that have a approve. singer perspective, we don't know the exact rhythm, but we get kind it's, of hints. At I what know kind what of it is. Songs they sing. It's the rhythm it... of F that guy. <laughs> so so they 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 have a they have a draw, and then Calvin could go deal with this other one. Now the other one, he's like, I'm not gonna fight a, a wind runner outside you got to come inside there's totally not a trap in here come inside and we will duel inside and then calvin steps in and one of the singers that that is there turns something on a fabriel and boom all of calvin's stormlight abilities are suppressed like he can't do anything they pulled the very obvious stick that was propping up the cardboard box yeah they did calvin fell for it but then they fell for Calden's trick of, he's actually really amazingly good at fighting you guys, because he's a soldier, and and then he killed a bunch of singers, and his 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 reflexes and instincts were so good that he was able to put a knife where the red teleporty dude was teleporting to before he teleported and killed him. So that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's he did cool. kill a shard bearer before he had any radiant powers. He, exactly. So. uh yeah, they learned that lesson the hard way. 
Um, but yeah, so it was a weird Fabriol that was suppressing powers. And there was an edge dancer in there, Godeki, who wasn't able to heal himself again because the powers were being suppressed. So yeah, so there's a point making point making a point. Well, he he that... had no stormlight. He he actually his stormlight was drained. Godeki's stormlight was drained. Uh, okay. They they mentioned uh, that, that at the beginning sense, of the yeah. scene. So I. I don't know if it's also mentioned of them not being able to heal when this chromium fabriol is about, but Kaladin is specifically mentioned doesn't need to breathe, even though he's under the effects of the chromium fabriol. Right. Uh, so as I understand it, he can't take in more stormlight. He can't use his stormlight to lash. But if he Aims had gotten surface. hurt, which he didn't in this, then it would have healed his wounds and it, and he can just not breathe. So it's it's internal. It could stay internal. He can't just do anything external with his power, is what it sounds like. And I could extremely be wrong. Like, very easily, I could be wrong in my read of this. Let us know if Mike is wrong in our Discord server. Yeah, join and yell at me. That's, that is honestly the best reason to join the Discord, is to come yell at Mike. That's why I joined. So anyway, right. uh... And then so, yeah, um, Rochon, as we learned, uh, wanted to go into the burning building to save his townsfolk because wait, you missed lift popped up. Lift had an appearance. Yeah, she takes she yoinks the chromium Fabriel and takes she it does. back to Nivani for study. But well, she, she didn't. Gonna... She didn't call anybody tight butt. So like, was Lift really in this chapter? She was pulling Godeki out by his leg. Like, eh, eh, gotta get him out of here. <laughs> and and Cal is like, Lift, just you're fine. Just take him out the door. Come on, what are you doing? And anyway, yes, Roshon was captured. We got to go save him. The, he he that is one of his ideals. Like you have to protect those, even if he hates them. If it's and, right. And Kaladin reminded himself internally of this as he was going in because he knew it's still a trap, still a terrible idea. He still doesn't like this guy. Got to do the thing. Hey, Sil glared at him a little bit. Like let's. It wasn't Kaladin knew, but you know, Sil had to remind him. Like mm, you better. Mm, you promise. Mm. Get in there. He does. End scene. Next scene. Body. Sayonara. Cyanide. Body. Talonelanel's tea bags. Gosh. All right. What That's the heck that. does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a. You didn't read the, I didn't the mean last to read one. read that out loud. Okay. <laughs> well, and hold on. Yeah, give me the last one too. Stone thin use stones. Okay. I kind of wanted to jump to this because we, like, do we have any other than this one thing talking about testicles? Uh, do we have any evidence that there are nuts that grow on Roshar? Like, the the food? Like, yeah, in Shinnifar. I mean, outside of outside of that. Like, anything uh... Earth-like could grow on Shinnivar, but that doesn't count. I'm talking about, like, the rest of Roshar. Maybe they have, a, they have a weird stone that has a nut inside like we don't know or they have mechanical nuts like washers if it were auto translated then it would have just been spheres because we've already established that that is a euphemism that exists yeah but that's not alliterative is it so am i missing what is the quote because i missed this quote what was said in the book nails nuts how did i miss that i must have like glanced right past it you were reading uh cradle cradle Cradle. No, I actually read Cradle. this. I read this chapter. I just missed it. Anyway, uh, I don't know. Shalon goes back to to. Well, 
is this where she's starting to look into the um the room? No, she hasn't analyzed the room yet. She's just talking to Adolin to to think about what to do, what needs to be done. Yeah, I think this is just when they walk in and she finds ELA died, perhapsably suicided, but we don't know. And she's like, I'm going to go look. Don't let anyone else look because I got a secret message from ELA that no one can know about. Well, she doesn't put it that way. She's like, I know what you're, I'm looking for and they don't. So I'm going to look. So that's yeah. Actually, I think Adolin offers her that excuse. She's like, don't let anyone look but me. And Adolin's like, oh, yeah, because you know what to look for. Or maybe not. Maybe I made that up. It would be funny, though. So, yeah. And they, they also figured out that it was Blackbane based on her reaction. And saying that was actually quickly admit like it's it's a quick reaction. Like once blood, mm-hmm. Black Bane gets into the bloodstream, it reacts like instantly. So it's not like this was a poisoning done over time. This this happened at some point very recently. Yeah, and it's noted. I don't know if it's here in next chapter that it had to have been injected directly into her bloodstream. So it not ingested, like yeah, in the wine. Yeah. So wasn't how was remember Calden was going to use Black Bane. To poison someone, he's gonna yeah. mix it in the tea of the slave driver. He had dried it out so that he could crumble it and turn it into a powder. And then Syl brought him a new one later. It's good old Syl, because oh, Kaladin likes collecting that leaf. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, I don't know what else happened in this scene because there's a lot of but, scene transitions. Yeah, so I mean, the the black bean in the tea would have worked, just not as quickly. It would have you would have to digest it and then well you would have to consume it and then it would you know it's like how alcohol works it kind of gets it gets into your bloodstream from your stomach uh yeah but I mean if you wanted to inject you know I'm not even I'm already in enough medical trouble as it is <laughs> <laughs> just forget well, it you don't want to do any why don't uh, we why don't doctor. we move to the next scene all right the next scene is chapter eight nope surrender we're not at, we're not doing chapter eight yet. Because we have an annotation, which does anybody want to do this or should I? I don't have it up, so. Yeah, I also don't have it up. Okay, you guys should get these up because I will be passing the the baton for later chapters. Chapter 7, annotation time. So one of the things I worry about, maybe too much, in an extended series like this is something I'll call Skeletor Syndrome. This is the problem that the protagonists need victories throughout the course of the series, The text will naturally build to important moments, and while there will be failures, there will also be victories. The more times an antagonist gets defeated, however, the less of a threat they become in the reader's mind. It's hard to justify to the reader that a villain is is still a credible threat after they've been foiled time and time again. Kylo Ren ran into this problem, for example, in the new Star Wars series. Going into the Stormlight Archive, this is why I staggered the threats moving from non-supernatural antagonists, like Sadius, toward increasingly dangerous threats. This isn't to say... What? I talked about that. This isn't to say that someone like ELA couldn't be a credible threat without powers. However, I still felt it best to move on from her as a representation of the antagonists in the earlier part of the series, pointing us toward larger, and more Cosmere-aware, threats as the conflict of the books expands. I could easily have had an entire book with a major threat about toppling her little empire on the Shattered Plains, but that would have been too backward-looking. So in this book, we're pointing away from the Sadius Amaram team toward Odium, some individual fused, and several of the Cosmere-aware players. Don't worry if these names aren't clear to you on first read. They've been around for a while, but I haven't delved too much into who they are. This book will do so. 
Oh, I skipped those names because I thought they were spoilery, but it's Thytokar and Ristaris. Dave, Brown. taking furious notes. Take furious notes. And Dave, you, you in fact have heard both of those names a couple of times minimum. I, I will say Thetacar's name is in the pro, prologue of Wave Kings. It, it has been around that long. And Rastari's was just in this chapter. The chapter eight, his name was mentioned. Was it chapter eight? It might have been chapter seven. It's one of those two. See that guy, Marazinus? Yeah. Eli's like, you're, you're going to be sent against Rastari's next. So yeah. That's that's the extent of what you probably know, um, but his his name has been mentioned in connection with the Sons of Honor before. Uh, how about this, um, Dave? In a very minor spoiler, I will let you know that Mrazy, in fact, knows both of these people. Hooray! That well, clears everything up. Mrazy mentioned the one dude's name. It starts with a T, I think. Thetacar. Yeah. Not Thanalanalanalanam. Who put the than in the Thanalanalan? Yeah! Chapter 8. Surrender. Remember all, Briel. I really uh, thought we were going to be done with Harry Potter references. I really, really did. I keep hoping on, that we're going to be done. <laughs> it's Don't not be even silly. like a remember all. It's more like an alarm. It's uh, it's like the bronze Fabriel. Could we please stop giving the... J.K. Rowling air in the room? Please, please. That's the problem. We like Harry right. Potter, the seven books. And I like nothing else related to anything. I didn't Harry even know Potter. she wrote anything else. Yeah, everything else she writes is bad, and plus she's also bad. So you know, what are you I gonna mean, do? The worst thing she's written is her Twitter feed. Oh snap! Shots fired. It's true though. I will remain blissfully ignorant on what you're talking about because yeah, it's not worth. All right, uh, because I want to talk about Brandon Sanderson. All right, dead basement people. Watch out, Cal. Roshan is behind you. Moash no. saves the day. Come on, man. Next scene. Why? Remember, he's hard. Gay easy. Shalon finds the Mountain Dew Code Red Strawberry Wine Edition. <laughs> well, I thought it was Mountain Dew Code Red, and then Adolin says it's strawberry wine. Or what I assume <laughs> to be strawberries, because I think strawberries are established as being shin. No, they said it's... it's some kind of berry on a vine, I think. It's grapes. It's it's regular red wine. Oh, it's just, <laughs> it's just Dave's like, let me be fancy and say it's strawberry wine. It's like, no, it's it's just wine. I mean, it's you just... can make wine out of any fruit. Yeah, that's what they do. And shin are weird, man. Well, it's kind of funny when these grapes. When she smells the shin wine, she's like, it tastes like fruit and alcohol. And I'm like, yeah, like wine. <laughs> Well, th that's actually the the good point. They bring that up. Most of the wine that they have are grain alcohols. They they she mentions as mm -hmm. much. So that's what well, they also distinguish between wine and green alcohol, or like as green alcohol as a subset of wine, which is kind of weird. I, I think all of their alcohol is quote unquote wine, and then it's just different based on the color. And, and what we that talked means. about this before. It's just the like start. the chicken thing. Yes, exactly. So we have wine flavored wine. And actually, now that makes sense because they probably don't have the right uh, meteorological conditions to make wine like we do on Earth, except in Shinovar. I mean, what do they have to, like, pollinate flowers? Rock buds. It's probably some Rock buds. Oh. That's what I was thinking of earlier. The weird stone nuts. Yeah. Um. All right, Craig, read the rest of my bullet points. Your favorite one's coming up. Red had joined Gaz in the extremely tiny bedchamber. There were no windows with barely enough room to stand. 
I mean, hey, if Shallan has time to drink, geometry joke. That's it. That's that's all you wrote for that. Yeah, you all know what I'm talking about. And then in the last scene, talk about Moash. All right. It, it looks right. No, I think it's a little acute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's oh, like, that corner pattern. looks right. Okay. Uh, if you're cold, go stand in the corner. It's 90 degrees. hey <laughs> 90 degrees I Celsius. I haven't heard <laughs> that one before. I like it. <laughs> Put that in dad jokes in our Discord oh, server. That's that's a quality dad joke right there. Take All furious right. notes. Well, oh, wait. I heard about... a good dad joke the other day. Hang on. That's good. Why don't you ever see elephants hiding in trees? Because they're really good at it. <laughs> 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 <That's amazing. laughs> I feel like that's a kid joke turned into a dad joke. Why do elephants paint their toenails red? Why, Mike? So they can hide in cherry trees. Yeah, quite. <laughs> I like Dave's reaction to that one. Like, eh, yeah. Well, okay. Let's let's actually talk about this chapter proper. Do you, do you want this, Dave? Yeah, good. Okay. All right. Um. All right, yeah, let's first take turns. I'll do the first scene. Um, so there's dead basement people. Kaladin's like, oh, these people are dead. And then Roshon shows up to save the people. And then Moash shows up and he slits Roshon's throat. And Kaladin's like, oh, I have to save Roshon. But, but I guess I can't because he has a slit throat. Maybe I can save these other people. I don't know. Um, I want to say some stuff about Moash, Moash, but I'm going to hold that to the end of the chapter. And uh, Craig, go ahead and take the next scene. Oh, cool. A Shalan one. Nice. All right. So this is where um, Shalan is analyzing Ile's room because Ile gave a hint to say, hey, look for the rarest vintage. So Shalan is legit looking at the wines and turns out also tasting the wines. And that's when she finds one that... That is weird to her? She's like, Before this is that, different. Read the notes in order. Remembering's hard. What does that mean? So she's I don't know. She's talking about remembering her past and stuff. And she, and and she's reading, she's reached like, stability because she's the three. And with yeah. the three, she's able to remember a little bit more. And Radiant's like, maybe it's... Where's Radiant her veil? like, maybe it's time to remember all that awful stuff you did. And Shalon's like, no, I'm not ready. Remembering's okay. hard. This is a good time to dig into this. Dave... You remember the things that Shalon has already remembered that she did that was terrible? She killed, she killed her, mom. her mom. She killed her dad. She killed her dad. What could she possibly have that she's still suppressing that is worse than either of those two things? Oh, she killed her baby <laughs> brother. Dave's like the implication. Oh, maybe there's something tragic that happened to her that's not her fault that she blames herself for. Like some sort of abuse. Or she killed her baby brother. My guess is one of those two things. All right. Gazzy? Is this talking about Gaz? Gaizy. You know what Gaizy is, don't you? No. Mike, what's Gaizy? Would that be Gaz's sense of humor? I'm not 100% sure where we are right now. No, it's Gaz with two eyes. Uh, oh, okay. I get it. Anyway, Gaz <laughs> is here. <laughs> Alternately, I was going to call him Gaze. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so Gaz has two eyes now. Because he healed. Good job. Hey, I predicted this. You did. I remember you predicting this. Um. Anyway, so yeah, they're, they're ran, ransacking the room. 
Um, and like I said, she starts trying out the wine, and that's when she she finds one that's a little bit weird. So she takes it out to Adolin and say, hey, try this. And Adolin's like, yeah, this is from Shin. It's a Shinovar type wine. It tastes like wine. So then she starts noticing different references to Shinovar, and she's like, there's something here. Uh, I don't know why you quoted the red has joined Gaz. I, I don't know what you're getting at there. I just thought it was funny out of context. Okay, cool. Um, and then, and that's uh, at some point they they look what they see something on like the edges of the room that are ten different symbols or something. One of which represents Shinovar. Am I? I don't know. Am I remembering that right? Yes. Okay, thank you. Well, there's like the symbol of Shinovar, which is like uh, it's like three triangles making a bigger triangle, and that's the symbol of Shinovar. So they find all these symbols. And I think like the the tiles are on the floor all have different shapes from different regions. So they check all of the Shinovar ones and they find a loose tile. And then Shalon's like, "Hey, this one, the corner seems right." And then there's a geometry. Golly, I got one of those because Pattern likes those. He likes good wordplay. That's a good lie. All right, you ready to talk about Moash? Yeah. So it started striking me. In the first scene of this chapter, that um, I know you guys don't want to admit it, but Moash has a lot in common with Kaladin. Oh no, we we've admitted it, and so much so that I'm starting to think that it's not completely coincidental, or that it's there are too many similarities that I almost I'm starting to feel like there's something supernatural going on here with Kaladin and Moash. It's just like. Moesh just shows up and kills the people that Kaladin hates. Like, it can't just be a coincidence with Elokar and Roshon here. And I-, I was kind of toying around with the fact that maybe he was some kind of alternate dimension version of Kaladin, or maybe somehow a a gold shadow or something similar to that where, you know, Kaladin broke off of him Kaladin and Moash kind of like split up as gold shadows and they somehow like both solidified and became separate people. Okay, let me stop There's you right here. a lot of problems that I need to work out. Let me stop you right here. Moash is definitely not time-traveling Kaladin from the future because he doesn't have an eye patch and a ponytail. That's how you can tell. <laughs> well, he doesn't have a shock scar either. Also, we, we saw the gold shadow of Moash in this chapter. That's true. We did see Moash split off from Moash, but who's to say that can't happen? All right. So, so, so Moash is a foil for Kaladin, but he's also what Kaladin's path would have been if he didn't swear the ideals and, yeah, and go along like the protection shadow. Path. If you ask me, we're like Kaladin's right. biggest decision in not accepting the shard blade, and we see Moash accepting a shard blade. Although that Maybe, was, much, yeah. was farther in the future, but it's like Kaladin, but the kind of person who would accept a shard blade to make use of it. I think Syl would have still bonded with Kaladin, even if he had the shard blade. But I mean, you bring up a good point. It's it's like Moash accepted the shard blade because he could use it as a tool to kill those he wants revenge against. Whereas Kaladin says no to it and he doesn't he's not looking for revenge. Um, right and now, it's just at the status where, like, Moash just keeps showing up at the right time, and he's too similar to Kaladin for it to merely be a coincidence. And we do also know Odium is pulling some strings here, 
And there's the whole Moash casting off his guilt to Odium, as mentioned in this chapter. And I, I feel like you got a theory here. Do you have a theory, Dave? I'm I'm cooking it. But I have to go back and read some of the older chapters of like when Moash first shows up. And um, you know, Moash is kind of goading Kaladin into killing himself and is recall help helping Kaladin. Uh, recall the time where he almost threw himself into the chasms and Sylphrena even mentions you know how does Moash know about that time you were going to jump in the chasm and Kaladin just kind of like oh you know we talked about a lot of stuff because we were friends like it kind of that was kind of weak he doesn't specifically remember saying that exact thing to Moash I mean it's also possible Moash just has supernatural knowledge or Odium told him some stuff but um you know, I, I'm actually curious, do you guys remember exactly when Moash shows up in The Way of Kings? Moash? He's just on the bridge crew at one point. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think he was yeah, there but before Kaladin. Yeah, I think he's one of the original Bridge Four members. Did, was he a member before Kaladin? Yeah. I think I so. Mean, there aren't that many of those. Like, the time between Kaladin joining the bridge crew and Kaladin starting to show night radiant powers and keeping people alive a lot of them died like a lot of them yeah i have to go back and read way of kings because what if there's some kind of you know time split here where kaladin actually throws himself into the chasm and odium is kind of there to catch him and take away his pain oh sorry that, one one quick thing you guys have been talking about gold shadows um, yeah. I think you mean Malatium Shadows, because Gold Shadows are of yourself, and there's two. Malatium is of someone else, and it's one. I was just using Dave's terminology, but you are correct. I mean, it's either. <laughs> but I mean, neither is in play here. It's it's Renarin Shadows, really. <laughs> you can't spell <laughs> Malatium without gold. Yeah, Renarin shows up, but isn't he... Don't we actually find out that he's back on the Shattered Plains? How does Renarin get here? What are his powers? I don't understand what this kid does. No, Renarin was here. He was on the bridge for like Navani was looking at him juggling balls of light. So he's there. Was he's, he? Okay. Yeah. He's he's not at the Shattered Plains. He was on bridge four. Yeah. Kaladin mentioned the fourth that bridge. I'm sorry. Of, well, most of the people on the fourth bridge that are Windrunners were from bridge 13. That's mentioned in chapter 10. But and then he goes back and he sees like Teft and Scar and Drehi, Numuhukamakiakia, Lunamore when he returns to the Shattered Plains. But maybe Renarin was the exception and one of the Bridge Four members that was here on the Fourth Bridge. Gosh dang it, Nirvana! You could have come up with a better name. No, it's a good tribute. It's fine. It's such a mouthful, and it's confusing because there's Bridge Four, the actual physical object that's on the Fourth Bridge, which is a ship that's carrying members of the People Group Bridge Four. The organization bridge for so like ah she could have called it like uh, you're overthinking it bridge 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 they could have called it Bargy McFlyface bridge yeah Bargy McFlyface would have been much better then they could be like hello Bargy McFly is anyone in there think Bargy McFly or is anyone home I don't know all right uh well if we're done with chapter eight then we need to do the annotation. My my main thing here is that Moash's connection, capital or lowercase, I don't care, to Kaladin is too coincidental. Something supernatural has to be going on here, and I'm going to be paying close attention to it. That's my main takeaway. 
Yeah, the the weird things of Moash didn't really start beginning until he he interacted with the singers more. Oh, uh, Dave, real quick question from a listener: um, Are you suggesting that Moash is Tyler Durden? No, I'm suggesting that Moash is Brad Pitt and Kaladin is Edward Norton. So they're both actors. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> is that the guy from that movie that I I was thinking of? The soap movie. Yes, you got it. Okay, I I did actually. I was actually thinking Fight Club as I was reading, starting to cogitate a little. So yes, I am. Thank you, random chat member. Oh yeah, I should probably attri- or attribute that. That would be from the Chandrian DG. Hey, what's up? Uh, all right. So chapter eight's annotations. Tori, take it away. Okay, chapter eight annotation for this chapter. Moash was one of the characters that was most difficult to get right for this book. There's a difficult balance to maintain with him, compounded by how difficult a line I'm walking with Kaladin in these chapters. I had to do several tone rewrites of this chapter after the alpha read to make it all work. Part of the trick was to convey just how exhausted Kaladin is mentally while in his viewpoint, since he doesn't accept it himself. Then mix that with a Moash who, in part, does still want to be a good friend, but no longer is capable of reasoning in a conventional way, and who won't acknowledge to himself that being right, proving that he made the right decisions, is actually far more important to him than his friendships ever were. You'll get a Moash viewpoint in in a future interlude, which should help explain where his mindset is these days. As for Kaladin, well, it's becoming more and more difficult for him to maintain the lie that everything is fine. Nothing is ruined. Poor baby. He's my baby. We must protect him. Baby Gagadin. Baby Kaladin. All right, chapter nine? Chapter nine. Chapter nine. Contractions. I mean, contradiction. Like, why is the word contractions so long? It should be able to be condensed down to, like, kunst. (laughs) Yeah, we can abbreviate the word abbreviate, but we can't contract the word contraction. All right. Pewter burns stormlight faster than other metals. Sounds right. He's pewter and augmenters. I could have guessed that, I think. All right. The World of Warcraft joke that took three whole books to set up. Wait, Do what's we... the joke? The joke The joke is that they they take the hearthstone back home. Okay. <laughs> All right. Do we really need Lyran, Laryl, and Laren? Come on. Okay, hold on. This is a problem. With books, and it's done by design. I'm not going to fault Brandon for this, but you need to have unique names for your characters to for people, readers, to tell them apart quickly. But in reality, a lot of people are going to share names, especially when you have as large of a cast of people that exist. Like there should be a bunch of Steves running around. Like why aren't there a bunch of Steves <laughs> running around or Daves? Hey, where's the Daves, man? I know multiple people named Dave and multiple people named Craig. Wait, really? Yeah. I'm unique. You, no, you've met the other Craig. We He guessed oh, it on true. our, ca- did, our podcast, did. man. The, the legendary version of Craig. That is true. Um, yeah, and my husband's best friend is also named Dave. So every time I'm like, yeah, Dave said that. Wait, like, I have to specify that I'm talking about podcast Dave. Yeah. My son is also named Bort. Your, your, Dave, <laughs> your Dave, I believe, is also my other Dave. So my my dad's name is Mike. Uh, my middle name is Mike. I, I am not your dad, and I'm not paying child support. No, you are not my father, but 
my father's name is also Mike. <laughs> I was just you, you just had me flash to Luke Skywalker confronting Vader. <laughs> no, it's not true. But yeah, that's sort of the problem. Um, you, you can't. People should share names, but you just can't. Uh, so yes, we do have to have a Lyran and a Laren and a Laurel. Okay. That being said, there's a, a thing that I forgot to mention, and that is that Eli's name is a perfect palindrome, which is rare among Rosharians. Usually, there's they're like one letter off. I guess Laurel is Laurel is also a palindrome, but yeah, yeah the Sadius brings it up in uh, the second book that that was like part of why he was attracted to her. Because <laughs> usually, it's like let's let's be humble now. We can't have a palindrome name, but we could be sort of a palindrome like Shalon. But nope. Alright, moving on. Kaladin is said, but Teft punches him in the ego, Nads. Next scene. Purple thing. Red wall. Navani has caused more pain than any living person. Even Dalinar? Even Kaladin? Even Sazed? This is like that scene from Toy Story where all the toys gang up on Sid. Next scene. Hold Shalon up, hold like... up, hold up. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> that, right. w- no. Those are not comparable. Only Shalon gets horror movie scenes. <laughs> Toy Story is not a horror movie. And I, I think of the names you listed, Dalinar is probably the worst of the pain causing. Worse than Sazed? No, Sazed is the worst. Wait, wait, wait. I thought Zane was the worst. Didn't we? we He's had not a... alive, wait, though. Sazed or Seth? What did Sazed do? Seth is pretty up there, too. What is Sazed? He what was pain? like, got out of the planet for a hundred years. Yeah, okay. I mean, probably the guy uh, race. Yeah, I think I meant. To, I think I meant to write race. Well, I was gonna write race, but I couldn't think of his name, so I wrote Sazed. I could. I wrote the only shard bearer whose name I could think of. But I mean, I was. I would have. You're talking about Odium. Yeah, are you trying to say Odium? Yeah, race is Odium, right? Yes. Okay, so race maybe race. Race probably caused more pain than Sazed. How not about AT? AT is oh. not alive. Navani has caused more pain than any living person. Aethi's right, not alive. Enough. Zane's not alive. Well, I don't think Odium counts either. He's a cognitive shadow holding a shard. No, Odium does not count. Race is a person. Yeah, race is a cognitive shadow holding the Odium shard. Then what's Sazed? Sazed is a cognitive shadow holding what is now the combined harmony shard. When did he become a cognitive shadow? When he oh. picked up the yeah. shards. What? When he... When, he, on. when his hands touched me. the shards, his body was killed off, and he became a cognitive shadow. Okay, but he's still a living person. If you think sort of. people that are cognitive shadows are living people, then sure. Well, like the returned, right? The return, yes. the heralds, the vasher, who's just uh, a returned. All right. If you the think vasher. living means living with a physical body, then no, I guess I guess it's just Dalinar then. Just Talon, not even Kaladin. Okay. Well, most of the pain he caused was to himself. Yeah, true. Is, I I need I need everybody to come in here on this. Does Kelsier count as being alive, Dave? I don't have enough information, but I would say probably yes. Well, he's a cognitive shadow. You saw that he got a body, so he's he's walking around with a human form on a planet. Then. Okay, so then life is independent of body, but can you call him a person is the question. Is he a living person to you, yes or no? A living person? I mean, you saw him die, and then you saw him not stay that way. 
we had a whole novella on it. Right. He went from living to dead to living, but did he remain a person throughout all that? Uh, maybe not. Okay. Craig, where do you stand on this? Uh, uh, a few places. One, I really need that talk from Vasher again, where he describes the different types of a- entities and like the, like the class one, Warbreaker again. the class two. I, I do need to read Warbreaker again, but I keep reading Cradle, so I'm not never going to get to it. Um, I think based on my current understanding, they are living people. So the Heralds, the Returned, the Kelsier, they can all be living entities. The they thieves? have a body. They have a cognitive component because they are cognitive shadows and they still exist within the spiritual realm because they have access to a spirit uh yeah spirit web so they have some sort of they're able to form connections they have an identity so they have all three of those things i will classify that as a living person okay tori where you at uh i'm gonna say no they died okay they're still around but they did I give it an unqualified yes. Kelsier, right. Kelsier is a living person. For a little bit, he wasn't, but he is again. Well, Kelsier specifically, or cognitive shadows? Period. Well, I'm I'm using Kelsier as a as an example case. Kelsier's the weird one, though. What is he? Is he anything? Is he not just well, like fused? No. So okay. So most of the ones that we've seen. So we have, let's say, the return, the heralds, and Kelsier. We have these categories Ooh, and zeth. we need zeth included on this list too why we gotta throw zeth in here but yes he's also because he's got speed echoes his his he's like a kato shadow that was stapled weird or something it's like oh eh, just close enough um anyway i'm not getting there so yeah the returned we know our cognitive shadows designed and granted their their cognitive shadow discs from endowment like that's just what they do so that's how they have become cognitive shadows, but they're given a body as well. Maybe that's an endowment thing. The heralds are a special case. They were made so by honor as far as wait, yes, from honor as far as we know, due to the oath pack that was designed to keep odium in the Rosharian system. So they're sort of a special case, but again, it was sort of like instant, here's your body, your cognitive shadow. But they go back and forth. Like they they go to Braze. When they die and then they come back after they they crack um, and braze, they come back to to Roshar. So we don't actually know where they get the body when they come back. We, we actually don't know what's happening there. So that's sort of a, I don't know. Kelsier's the weird one because he was made a cognitive shadow, but he sort of just stuck around in Honor's perpendicularity until, as far as we know, he gave himself a body thanks to help from um, Spook. Like, we, we don't know where he got the body, and it sounds like they played with hemallergy to give himself a body. So we don't know what's happening there, and that's why I say Kelsier's weird. I would say that allow that. Say that so that's part of Sazed's Sazed issue. It might be before Sazed took on Harmony, though. No, this it was, is, it was Why well would Sazed not allow no. it? Yeah, Sazed is kind of a laissez-faire sort of god. Yeah, he doesn't intervene directly. He has Chandra to do that for him, and Wax sometimes. Hey, quick question. Is there a point at which Inquisitors become cognitive shadows? Because many of those spikes should kill them. That's well established. Like, oh, yeah, I would but, say definitely. But I think you do... I was going to say, I think you need some shard to actually help you become a cognitive shadow. Yeah. But and then we've established that Kelsier is doing something with hemallergy to get a body. So maybe? Maybe they could be. 
and and ruin is the shard allowing that functionally through hemolurgy. That's true. That is true. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with maybe, especially after he like got out of the uh, perpendicularity and he like had full power, like well, mostly full power. At definitely could have done something, and we know by then they were having a lot more spikes than they had before. So maybe I don't know. Anyway, that's that's a side thing. Let's go back to Dave reading chapter stuff. Okay, what chapter do you want to read? Purple thing. We read all that. Uh, okay, so it's Hearthstone, a bunch of people's names. Kaladin is sad, but Teft tells him that he has to go uh, congratulate Laren because we're the third ideal. And then it's the next scene, and uh, Navani is studying the purple thing, and then she starts to see some red light glowing, and like the walls of her air palanquin start glowing around. She's like, uh-oh. I'm gonna fall, Mayday. And then she says, wait a second. There's a, there's a spannery gem stuck under this table. And then after they land, before anyone comes into her little box to check on her, she sets up the spannery and, uh, she gets this ominous message from what I assume to be the Spren or someone representing the Spren and being like, toys have feelings too, you know? So play nice. When you say the Spren, what do you mean? The spren that she enslaves in Fabrials. So you, you think it's the, the one in the spannery itself that's talking to her? No. I think it's some representative of spren, whether it's a spren themselves or it's okay. not. But I, I can imagine, like, the spren all, you know, like Toy Story. It's a it's a democratically elected spren representative. A spreneditor, if you will. <laughs> you yeah. should be a spreneditor. Oh man! Yeah. What did you have more, Dave? Next scene. Shalon likes stinky boys. What did the Shalon do? Which uh, Mike already asked in a previous chapter, so we won't go on that. Who is formless? She's not real anyway, so I'm not going to worry about it. But we already have ghost bloods at that home. Sounds, Shalon. That sounds like a Shalon solution. She's not real anyway, so I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. And Adolin says, we already have ghost bloods at home. We don't need to pick up more ghost bloods. When you Shallan... order ghost bloods on Wish. Shallan says to send Adolin's men on vacation. Adolin is decidedly not Terevingianian. Skadariel is my favorite planet in the Kazimir. Shallan left out one crucial detail about the ghost bloods. Their blood is full of ghosts. And their blood is made of ghosts. All right, uh, I think we kind of recapped the first two scenes. So, and uh, what happens in the last scene, Craig? I don't know. I didn't read this far. All right, I'll tell you what happens. Shalon likes stinky boys. <laughs> She's like, well, when Adolin comes home from sparring practice training scrimmage, she's like, don't take a shower yet. I want to smell you all sweaty before you take a shower. Sounds like then, hormones to me. Shalon wants to keep taking secrets away from the table before the dogs can look up the secret crumbs. And Formless is this fourth identity that she refuses to take on, but she's not real anyway. And Adolin can't keep his cats or secret societies straight. And anybody. <laughs> and Shalon says, you know, there's a traitor in one of your boys or one of my guys is a traitor. And Adolin's like, Oh, but I don't want to punish a whole group of people just because one of them might be evil. Definitely not what Terry Vangian would. I 
Terrorbage is like, well, we're just going to have to kill them all. <laughs> Everyone's dead. Execute him. Hang him up next to his Let's choir start boys. over with a clean slate. Problem solved. And so they find a in the secret book that they found in ELA's bedchambers. Or it was uh, it had a, a list of a bunch of planets that were all humorously misspelled because the contacts had only heard them spoken in conversation and didn't know how to spell Skadriel or Taldane or Mal- or Nalthus. It's like it's that like one time Skadriel Nalith. It's like basically it's they're they're listed as though Craig tried to pronounce them. Thanks. Well, what was the what was the world hopper that we got that was from Skadriel and his name sounded weird. Tima, uh, that was Demu. Yeah, and yeah. it's like Timo. Yeah, yeah. I I was more thinking like, okay, so it it's a translation problem. Like in Japanese, you can't have um, it's like you have to have vowels and consonants. You can't just have a consonant. So when you translate some American words into Japanese, they end up sounding weird because you're shoving all these vowels in there that weren't there before, like McDonald's. It's makodonorodo in Japanese because you can't have two consonants together. You got to put a vowel in between them. And if you look at a bunch of Japanese, like American words that have been, you know, translated that. So, so I saw it more as something like that. Like this was, it's, it's a language problem. There's something in the Rosharan language that uh, they, they needed more vowels. They need more palindromes. Yeah. Skadrial Eradsk. That's way off. Yeah. Anyway, what crucial detail did Shalon leave out of, about the ghost blood? Oh, that she's a member. Oh, yeah. Okay, so um, Adolin needing a refresher here about the various secret societies. A is good for the reader. It's nice to have a refresher on this because there's a bunch of them and they can be difficult to keep track of. B... It makes Adolin look real dumb. Just just so dumb, you guys. He should have all of this information down at this point. At least he's pretty. Chapter 10. You have annotations? Well, yeah, we got annotations. Craig, your turn. Um. So I might have mentioned this before, but one of the oldest and eventually discarded scenes I had for this book was Kaladin returning home. It's existed in some form since I was first developing Dragonsteel in my late teens. It eventually happened last book, but I gave Kaladin the chance to ruminate on it in this book. The very first version was from Dragonsteel, and was supposed to begin uh, the second book, which I never wrote. In that story, most everyone was around a Bronze Age level of technology, but one kingdom led by a mysterious figure who knew far too much was rapidly progressing his people technologically. So the protagonist, after joining his army and fighting on the Shattered Plains with Bridge 4, eventually was to return home in full plate armor to confront the version of Roshone who rolled there. Like I said, that never happened, but I eventually took many of those ideas and wrote The Way of Kings Prime. Though Bridgeford didn't make the jump yet, Dalinar did, and so did the idea of the young peasant boy forced into war. The second book of that was to begin with Marin returning home from war to find something very strange at home, which eventually turned out to be related to that book's version of the Voidbringers, and Marin's decent windrunner abilities would let him kill one. He would haul the head back to Dalinar as proof that something was up. That book never got written either. I finally got to put the scene in, mostly in Oathbringer. But like most of the revisions to the story over the years, it became a little less triumphant and a little more messy, intentionally messy, to more accurately depict how events in real life 
uh, are often full of contrasting emotions. It was interesting for me to reflect on those 25 plus years of imagining one scene evolving over the years as I put a kind of capstone on it in this book. Thank you, Craig. So it was Marin the Kaladin name before it was Kaladin. I think I think I recall something like that. Is, that is, seems likely from context. Is Marin just a combination of okay. Mary and Pippin? Uh, so Kaladin was known as Marin in the Way of Kings Prime. Oh man, I got a whole list, guys. Can I, uh, after we're finished the chapters, can I read the differences between Way of Kings and Way of Kings Prime? Have you it's finished your homework? It's not long. But did I, I did wanna... you eat all your vegetables, Craig? Uh, uh, yes, I don't eat any. So yes, I ate all of the nothing. And you did all your chores. Uh, I have to. I have to put the trash out still. Well, then but no, I had to record. Can't. So so I had. I had nothing to do. I had to. I had to record, man. Well, then I'm sorry. You you can't you can't do this as a reward until you finish all your chores. That's that. That's the rules of the house, Craig. You're not the dad of me. I am certainly not, because I'm not going to pay child <laughs> support. <laughs> it's true. All right, Dave. Chapter ten. Chapter ten. A single casualty. All right. It's Tin's turn. So Tin doesn't act the way that I expect it to. It suppresses the spren somehow. I don't remember uh, exactly. It seems kind of backward. A tin cage will cause the Fabriel to diminish nearby attribute. The pain reel, for example, can numb pain. Note that advanced designs of cages can use both steel and iron as well. Changing so instead of heightening mode. senses, it seems to dull the senses. But maybe it draws, it heightens the sense of the spren and thereby dulling the sense of the person wearing the pain reel. Yep, you got it. Oh, okay. Alright, next. Oh, Relaine should get an honor sprint. Kaladin gets canned. What if the fourth ideal has something to do with protecting without fighting? Ten days for one casualty. So, yeah, Kaladin is removed from combat by boss Dalinar because of combat. Kaladin doesn't think he'll ever get to fight again, and he doesn't feel right about training Windrunners and sending them off to die without him. So he has 10 days to figure out where he wants to be restationed. Oh, and, and earlier in the scene, there's this honor spren who is looking for a Windrunner to bond with. And Kaladin says, I forbid you from uh, bonding with a with any Windrunners unless you give serious consideration to Relaine. And the honor spren's racist. But he's like, I guess I'll Think about it. I mean, that honor friend has good reason to be, like, anti-singer. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what that reason is, Dave? Yeah. After the humans came to Roshar and brought Odium with them, the singers swapped over from honor and cultivation to Odium. So that's basically the first recreance. Or it was like, it was kind of recreancy, I guess. It was the first desolation, which was a recreance in reverse. So the singers abandoned the Night Radiant Spren, effectively. Like, they did the abandoning first. Although I'm curious how much Spren actually get out of being captured in a gem heart. Like, we've seen in Dawn Shard, they seem to want to be in a gem heart. Like, they they embrace the um, Chiri Chiri Larkin. So... Oh, oh, either. Moving on. Moving on. Well, that's the end of this week's chapter. 
Wait, right. no, Kaladin got canned. Yeah, well, yeah, no, he, he covered that. What do you yeah, think but... Kaladin's going to do? Mm, I think he's going to uh, look up Daryl. I mean, first thing he should do is, like, take a shower, change his clothes. Yeah, if they give him any more clothes. He has a bad history with clothes. Because, like, okay, so he's supposed to look like he basically hasn't slept in a month and has been letting his personal hygiene go. But also, at the beginning of this set of chapters, uh, he got stabbed in the neck like 300 times and bled everywhere, I have to assume. And, you know, almost certainly hasn't been able to change his clothes, so he's just, like, covered in his own blood. Just covered in his own... Like, like he was in a Quentin Tarantino movie covered in his own blood. Sounds right. And yeah, what, what do you think he's going to end up doing? A little bit of other people's blood as well. Do you have any thoughts of what Kaladin should choose to do? Yeah. Is it protect those who should, cannot protect themselves? Should hang out with his, he? He might. Maybe he'll move into like surgery. Every. Uh, we do have annotations, Mike, for this chapter. Oh yeah, we got one more round. Uh, should I do it? Tor, you want to do it? Craig, you want to do it? We've each done one. Or we could let Dave do it. Does Dave he have it open? Dave doesn't oh. have the link, but I can give Hold Dave on. the link. I will send the link now. Sending. Yeah, you can read Sending. all these after you finish the chapter, Dave. Six. Is this number ten? Yes. Yeah, we're in chapter, chapter ten. Chapter thirteen. All right, chapter ten. <clears throat> number seven, September eighth, twenty twenty. Brandon Sanderson, chapter ten. And here we finally reached the culmination of a plot cycle I've been working on for four books now, but really kicked into overdrive and Oathbringer. I knew pretty early into the creation of the new Kaladin, as opposed to Marin for Prime, that I was going to have to deal with the fact that he'd been put through hell, and that sort of thing leaves scars on a person. Just like I eventually realized I needed to set up, step up and do my research to properly treat Shallan's arc, I decided early on I'd need to be responsible with how I treated what Kaladin had been through. Mental health has become a theme in the Stormlight Archive, but I've often noted that it isn't that I set out to write specifically about that topic. More, I feel that the extreme circumstances I'm putting characters into naturally lead to these kinds of conflicts. If I'm going to follow through with what the characters are experiencing, it means talking about these ideas. This chapter is the unmarked end of what I imagined being the cold, open lead-in to the novel, the kind of climax to a book between the two novels you didn't see that I've been talking about in these annotations. With the next chapter, we'll go to a character we haven't seen yet in this book and begin into the core of the plot of the novel. So there you go. Um, yeah. Can I quickly read the differences Is it between, between Way of Kings Prime and, I, I guess, Way of Kings? It's pretty funny. Yeah, go ahead, I guess. All right. So originally, instead of Stormlight Archives, it was going to be called the Oath Shards series. So that's fun. Freaking shards, married. man. He cannot stop with the shards. So many shards. Oath shards. Uh, Calden was known as Marin. Calden accepts the shards at the beginning of the novel instead of refusing them, and the story's about him becoming a shard bearer. Zeth was known as Jack. Wait, or is it Yek? It might be Yek. Depends on if you want to pronounce the J. Spell it for me. J-E-K. Okay. I thought you were going with, like, Jekt, father of Tidus from Final Fantasy X. No, no. It's an actual K. Um, Yasna was a main viewpoint character in this book. Vasher made an appearance as an ardent teaching Shardblades under his real name rather than as Zahil. That would have been pretty obvious. 
Chalant did not exist. Instead, Yasna had another red-haired apprentice called Shindri Davar. Her plotline and character were completely different from that of Shalon. Although Shinri did eventually evolve into Shalon, Brandon considers the two to be separate characters. Spren were not I a part know, of Rosh like how Shalon considers herself to be three to four characters. Uh, Spren didn't exist. The diagram was written by Renarin, whose mind was destroyed by the knowledge. Teravangian was, was death and called Avin. Ardents were called monks. Adolin was called Erador. And was executed by Elokar. Dang. Aww. Town was, was a regular viewpoint character, far saner than in what we see in Words of Radiance. It is also unclear for much longer whether he was actually a herald or just thought he was. The heralds resurrected by taking over the bodies of Rasharans, similar to how Fused works. This fueled the mystery of is Town the real deal or is he just some crazy guy? Um the heralds had the ability to sense other honor blades by uh, sorry honor blades by holding their own though Talon initially assumed it was the ability to sense each other in one of the scenes of the original draft he uses to try to track down his fellow heralds only to find the abandoned blades dalinar's name was spelled with an e instead of an i dalnar ew dalnar uh well i mean you didn't have kaladin and dalinan i don't know I don't know where I'm going with that. Shard plate is said to be made by Awakeners, which is different from Nalthian Awakeners, and it's just it's just Soulcasters. All but one of the heralds were male. Len, who's that? Len was a viewpoint character, though he is more similar in character to Light Song. I don't I don't know who Lan is though. Light Song is the re- returned. Well, I know who Light Song is. I don't know who Lan is. Hoid was not a part of the story. The Oath Gates were intact. And Elokar was killed by Dalinar. There you go. That's it. I'm dating your mom. Now die. Dalinar Colin was the first character Brandon Sanderson ever wrote when he was 15 years old. What he originally had in mind was a king, Elokar, who's terrible at leading, and the king's uncle not knowing whether to take charge or not. There you go. That was fun. Neat. Okay. All right. I'll let you guys get the spoiler stuff then. I don't want to go to spoiler stuff this week. We've been going for a while. I think we've done an episode. No, but Mike, can can you give me like five minutes, please? We, I got, I got stuff. So <laughs> I got, just give me, give me five, ten minutes. We've been going Bye, for guys. so long, Craig. I know. I'll Bye, keep Dave. Going. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Dave's gone play the thing. We've been going for so long. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. It's like I'm running. It's, I, ha- I was thinking of just saying no, but I have to read this part. When okay. Shalon Hold up. Is- Before you do, I have a thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I have a counter-argument to Soulcasters being dead spren in lieu of Shardblades. Which okay. is that when Knights Radiant touch them, they don't scream. Right, but what if do Knights Radiants they don't hear the scream on shard plate? So maybe Soulcasters are more like a shard plate rather than a shard blade. That's possible, but it it does undermine the shard blade thing. Yes, I I will grant you that. Okay, do your thing. Okay. Um one, there's the question that Eli brings up about what is it about the Sons of Honor? 
that frightens the ghost bloods. Have you ever asked yourself what the ghost bloods want, what they expect to get out of the end of the world? So this is like, what are they up to? What legit are the ghost bloods up to? And why are they feuding with the Sons of Honor? You guys know? Because I don't know. I don't know why they've got beef with the Sons of Honor, but the main thing is they're trying to figure out ways to take investiture to different places. Maybe it's because the Sons of Honor were trying to bring about the the true desolation, and that that's a, a problem. So it's like, hey, make sure that doesn't happen. Like, they're pro-chaos to a certain point that it helps them, but not to the point of like, oh yeah, we're going to end the world. Yeah. That's too much chaos. Yeah, I can I don't see that. Think, I don't think the Ghost Bloods want the end of the world. Like, I, I think, as as much as I don't trust them... um. I'm still not sure if I trust Kelsier in general. I, I feel like what's happening on Roshar is a bit out of his control. Uh, it's it's more uh, Marazi or or Illet. What's her name? Yalatil. Forget her name. Yalatil. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but I wanted to point out this scene, which is when Shalon is last talking to Ela before she's taken away. Shalon let go, hand going to her satchel. So she was actually thinking about pulling out the poison and, and doing it then. Radiant was the one who emerged, however, and she grabbed Elay by her arm and towed her over to Aelin's shoulders. Right there, that right there is when Radiant poisons El Eli. Right there in the text. Like I was wondering if we would see Radiant coming out because, uh, so as a refresher, because uh, I needed a refresher, Radiant sort of took steps to do things that Shalan was thinking about doing. And so Radiant was just like, I'm going to 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 do that action, basically to protect the Shalan identity. Um, but unfortunately, it gets the side effect of Shalan thinking there's another ghost blood in, in her group of people and that someone's up to something. And really, it's just it's just Radiant who's doing the stuff. And it, she's actually hiding it from Vale, no less, because I don't think Vale is is aware that this is happening. And anyway, Radiant is the one who poisons Elay because Shalan was about to, and she felt that that would actually make Shalan even worse. Like if she took that step, so Radiant is the one who takes that step, and there it is in the text. This is why I, I, I did not remember how that went down, and I wasn't really paying that close of attention. I was just trying to get through my chapters because I waited too late and I didn't finish. Okay. So I did want to point that out. Um, I, I highlighted things about the weird Fabriel that sucked out. Well, it doesn't really suck. It's it suppresses Kaladin's powers, and I think it's because it's doing something with rhythm. Like it's essentially making it so the the Stormlight ability can't go outside of his body, which is why I can still heal him. But when it becomes external, it's being suppressed. It's it's basically the equivalent of um, if you hear if you have a headphones that are noise canceling it's because it's playing a certain rhythm that basically blends in with sounds that you hear from the outside and it, it basically cancels them out it's neat it's math so and then there's also a reference of kaladin when his powers are suppressed the experience left him rattled the truth was he had come to rely on his abilities and it's it's funny that it's pointed out here because as we know the book is going to be kaladin without most of his powers yep and he and he's gonna and have to deal with it he also has that little dialogue in his head and then one of the one of the singers announces it it's like hey get him he's powerless and then he murders everyone in about three seconds <laughs> that was really fun 
Oh man, Kaladin the diehard book. Like, um, what anyway. are you without your powers? Well, I had stuff going on before I got powers. Like, oh, you're just a peasant? What do you know? Whoops. Anyway, uh, and then, of course, there was the talk about Moash, because you get to see his his identity shadow of what would have happened if Moash stuck with Bridge 4 and actually, you know, maybe listened to Kaladin rather than thinking that he was right all the time. Stupid jerk. Um, I mean, okay, none of Moash's actions up to this point, like right up until he kills Teft, Moash is still reasonably like within his own view trying to help yes aside from maybe killing yezrian because he was just told to do that but outside of that he feels like he's acting on his revenge quote-unquote helping kaladin even though he's trying to push the the guy to suicide Ugh. Like, he's, whole... okay hold up hold up he okay. knows that kaladin is hurting okay yes Yes. He also, at this point, knows that Kaladin won't accept Odin's taking away his pain. Yeah. That's that's established. So what's left? Sure. Killing himself. That, there you go. Moash is I... still trying to help his friend in the only way, according to his own twisted view, that makes sense. He calls himself a friend. He's like, you're my dearest friend, Cal. Like, no, you're a jerk. You'd be listening to Kaladin and trying to help him get the help that he needs, not saying go jump off a cliff. I hate Moash so much, guys. I didn't realize how much I hate Moash until I had to read this chapter again. I'm like, holy crap! Hold on. We already know that on Roshar, there is no such thing as mental health care. It yes. does not exist. Yes. So, what what is Moash supposed to recommend? No! Just listen to the dude. I don't, I don't have the answer. But telling someone to go jump off a cliff is not the answer, is all I'm saying. And and what I'm saying is that Moash's actions are consistent and logical from his own point of view. I, and, I will get that. I, I will give you that one. And from, again, from his own perspective, he is still being a good friend while telling his friend Kaladin to kill himself. From his perspective, yes. I, I, still, I still hate him. I don't know where he is in the rankings. I don't, I don't keep track of that. But... Ugh! Brandon did a good job of making me hate a character. I mean, okay, it's totally reasonable to hate Moash at this point, but again, I don't feel like he really crosses a line until he kills Teft. Yes. Until that point, I think he was still redeemable. Even even what he's doing here, I think he could have been redeemed, but the moment he kills Teft, that's it. We are done. There, I do not want him redeemed. Because I, I want him gone. Like he did his friend Kaladin two very solid favors of killing Elokar and killing Roshon when Kaladin himself was incapable of doing either without breaking his oaths. He's got a point though. He always comes in at like the perfect moment just to make Kaladin worse. And then he, he... yeah, killing Yezrin, like who cares? He has no idea who Yezrin is. There there's nothing there's nothing personal there. Nobody involved has anything personal. He's just following the orders that he was given by the people whose side he's on. Like, that. that is not a thing. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. Okay, that's an episode. Bye, everybody. Good night, Internet. <laughs> Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.